strange. This is the maybe the fourth take I've done of this episode now. I haven't gotten any that far into, you know, into it at all. Maybe I recorded about a minute, but for some reason I kept hitting these pauses and I was I didn't like the way it was going, so I was deleting these takes and now this is take it's called this take 4. Um, welcome to the Earwig Review, episode 11, take four. Well, what are we talking about? First thing, the re-recording of the short story called The Sunset Oil Plus that's on the website, www.com joshuahillelbarski.com j-o-s-h-u-a-h-i-l-l-e-l-b-a-r-s-k-y.com first one on the very bottom there bright pink cover short story and when I recorded it one thing that you know if you've been listening to the show you know what I'm one thing I'm trying to figure out is how to manage how to make audiobooks in a way that that works for me how to narrate them myself um and then how to record that narration and put it in a place where it makes sense um that people can listen to it um figuring out the what the proper length of these things should be your average audiobook that you listen to from your local library um, or wherever you get it could be six to twelve hours. So you know, varies a lot, and that's great. Um, but figuring out how to create you know an audio book that's good, how to produce one on your own terms in a way that you like. Um, is what I've been figuring out these last few weeks and doing this podcast has been kind of uh, maybe a result of that attempt or maybe it's the other way around it doesn't really matter I recorded I've recorded a few the Sunset Oil Plus is on YouTube right now um, but after I recorded onto YouTube and there were some mistakes in that I noticed as I was reading it that I didn't catch before. Small grammar things, um, nothing too crazy, but I had a note. I was just going to go and clean those up and then quietly repost it onto the website. So, you know, just to make sure that was fixed, more of just grammar issues or small things like that. But as soon as I cracked it open, and this is you know why I think I was procrastinating doing that for so long I I didn't I wouldn't say I rewrote the whole thing but I revised the narration of it so much so that I think it would do it justice to do one more re-record of that short story um, and then reposting it onto YouTube and getting rid of the old one um as i figure out 
you know, what's the best way of creating these audiobooks and putting them out there. Usually, you know, you do it in a studio, you have people recording and kind of helping you out, flagging it and, um, you know, doing multiple takes. However the process goes, uh, I'm not incredibly familiar with it um, either, but um, figuring out my own way is basically the point and how that's affected my day-to-day writing and how doing this podcast once a week has affected my day-to-day writing um, has been very fucking useful for me. That I will say. That is very true. There's the... how you would speak colloquially to your people you're comfortable with in your life. Then there's... So then there's your, and there's different versions of that, as we know. Maybe in a professional setting, you have one tone with your close, close friends. You talk differently with your family, different family members. You talk in different versions as well. And, and I think one thing as I've grown up, you know, very slowly, the the more those become one voice the better off a person is i believe that to be true i wouldn't fight it to the death maybe there's something i'm not seeing maybe it's good to have different you know personalities for different uses but I th- in my heart of hearts i actually think that the more the less personalities you have, the less versions of yourself there are, the better. That when there was two versions of myself floating around, or likely more, and I knew I, would, I was acting a certain way in front of some people and a different way in front of other people, and my, you know, even in the sound of your, your voice, whatever, all this different kind of stuff, that I think... I think that leads to a lot of anxiety when you're in the meantime, in between those, those kind of, you know, because then you don't know who you are. Perhaps that's what that means to know who to not know who you are is to fluctuate so differently, you know, from all these different points of view and perspectives. Right. So the more I've been able to, combine those and just figure out this the ones that are bullshit and the ones that are not and stick to the ones that are not and refine that the better i feel the more confident i feel the more mature i feel uh, only good things i believe have come from from that and when i was a lot younger i can remember knowing I had these different I was watching these different versions of myself come up in different phases and resenting it and being curious and not understanding what the why that was happening and I can see you know because you I didn't know who I was so that's part one of that thought part two 
is the idea of then there's acting and there's performance and fiction and the way that those start to interplay with the whole thing so if you were writing if you're a writer and you're writing from the first person or the third but let's stick with the first person perspective for clarity's sake and you're writing a book of fiction that doesn't mean that everything you're saying everything you've written is you could be writing from the point of view of a character that is not your personality obviously and many books have done this so you're acting and you're performing as you write so that's one component of of that and that's all fine you're writing different characters and their voices and you're acting in actually a bunch of different people's voices and maybe you change the narrator every in different sections of the book which is entirely not uncommon so that's fine and that doesn't mean you don't know who you are and your personality is bullshit and etc etc that means you're telling a story you're inventing you know you're writing fiction it's fine then there's the whole there's actors who, who do this as a profession and as their whole thing they look at this stuff they interpret it and they become that and you pay them to do that and that's their it becomes their livelihood that's a a road that i have no interest in going down not one that i don't love watching and paying for right but the um me as an actor is, feels um not good when i found myself in those positions it's just not it's not what i'm interested in when i have to read my own writing it's i start you start to get into this gray zone am i acting am i being myself is it some mix of both and sorting figuring out where to fit in with that and how that's all going to work it's been a lot of what i've been doing here uh these weeks on the podcast and and how that's kind of seeped into the the fiction writing that i'm doing each day in the meantime has that's what i'm talking about there's also me the whatever performance improvisational performance i'm giving right now as i talk and then the difference of me maybe being alone i wouldn't be talking but me being with a friend or being with my wife or whatever the difference is there and i think the better i get at doing these shows the more those worlds will combine and that's what i'm interested in getting at and then i should say additionally 
the more the fiction, both the the weekly, the daily posts, and the long form prose, the more that those things can combine and come from that authentic perspective, point of view, narration, without me feeling like I'm acting or performing, but simply having it come from the same place, one that I don't think is bullshit, that's the goal. That's what this is about. And that's important to me. So, welcome to the Earwig Review, episode 11. What else do I want to talk about before I get into the posts? A lot. There's a lot of technical fucking technical shit um, that I hope on your end as the audience you will never uh, won't really see it'll all be kind of um, streamlined but I'm trying to uh, organize stuff on the back end as as the show slowly slowly grows um, to make sure it's all running smoothly and it's being hosted properly and da 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 so that doesn't matter, but it's floating in around my, my mind as, as I do this. Um, neither here nor there. The other thing, to, I think two more things I want to talk about on the writing front. One being, you know, have the, the diet. The diet of how much output a person should do as a writer and how much editing they should do each day. Setting certain goals and figuring out what's a good work day looking like. That's an ever-changing thing. Lately, I think about a year ago, I was doing 2,000 words a day, just spewing them out, just getting to that. 2000 mark and that that was great i was working for that particular project um 2000 words of prose and then the post in the evening and then maybe some editing in between i don't really remember but one thing i was finding with that is that it didn't it was confusing when i how to process all of those words how to edit them and how to gear shift between the writing and the editing and it seemed like I would output, 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 and not look back at all sometimes, but more or less, I wouldn't go back and edit while I was writing. But then once I got to the what I felt like was the end of that story or project, I would have to then go back and start to edit this huge chunk of like, you know, however many thousands of words. And then I'm stuck in editing mode. And in order to process all of that material, um, it exhausts your, your, you become exhausted. And then keeping up with that 2000 word output every day in, in, um, in a way that doesn't feel like you're just desperately trying to hit the number without really writing anything necessarily meaningful 
um, you know, I was, I was pushing against the, the boundary there. And so I scaled it back. And it's frustrating when all you do is edit for like a month and you're not writing anything new. Um, it just doesn't feel like, well, I'm not really right. I am writing, but I'm not writing and it, you know, become kind of a neurotic mess with all that stuff. So scaling back that 2K to 1,000 words a day. Now I moved it to 1,000, but that gives me the bandwidth and the 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 bandwidth in my my mind to write to edit in the day as well and i seems like now it really depends on the work but it seems like a reasonable shift of editing maybe it's maybe more like 2000 words so it's like write a thousand words edit 2000 words now that really depends on the, sometimes you edit one sentence and it takes as much effort as those two, same 2000 words. If it's not working, it's like, okay, we gotta, we gotta really take this and break it apart. So tough to really be clear about that. Um, you know, once you've edited something 10 times, it, you edit it a lot faster because you know it a lot better and you've processed it so many times that, you know, and that's a lot of where the work is. Getting out these ideas and then ironing them back over and over again until you feel like they're they're correct. The other thought on that note has to do with the trying to access the when you're pushing to the boundary of say 2000 words or 3000, 4000, whatever your boundary happens to be and pushing up to the point till it's becoming meaningless and you're just desperately trying to get there. It's like on one hand, it's bullshit. And what the hell am I doing? You feel like you're in a fog and just kind of, you know, just grinding down to nothing and burning yourself out but on the other hand sometimes you're able when you're in that zone and you're pushing towards those ideas or maybe they're closer to the subconscious or something that's beneath the surface something that maybe is a bit deeper something you wouldn't ordinarily say when you were thinking clearly now i'm i feel of two minds with that one as you as i think i've already articulated one maybe that's total bullshit and two maybe it's actually a good <laughs> thing to uh think good thing to do so there there's not a definitive you know it's not a definitive binary on which one to do, which one not to do. I think I'm always kind of a mix of both depending where you are. But, but I am very interested in the difference of those two modes and comparing them and treating them like, you know, putting them on a spectrum and comparing them that way. Um, so continue with that. 
And I think that it, you know, you think about what some of the po- the point of writing fiction sometimes can be. And yes, you, it can be writing a very tight, riveting, um, you know, plot heavy story where, you know, like, um, like a good detective novel would, where it's, you know, very clear, um, a lot of action, a lot of external drama, um, and, and as much as I've, I've tried that genre and want to keep and love that genre and want to keep learning how to write that way and getting comfortable in writing that way. Um, It also, I also wonder, I think in my heart of hearts when I think of, um, you know, who, what kind of books that I feel like I that I naturally write when I'm not maybe trying when I'm not influenced when I'm just kind of getting closer to what's authentic then it's then it's trying to get into that subconscious and trying to get deeper than I would deeper about a lot of emotional, internal um, thoughts and feelings than I can in my day-to-day life among uh, people and among myself, even when I'm only through writing can you get even deeper and explore farther and get more concise and figure out and say more fucked up things really um, than you can in real life and, and writing is a, is a place for that and I think that I through writing too <laughs> I think I've re I've I lost track of that with the obsession with a plot trying to master what plots and story structure and essentially what good TV writing is because of how how truly good it's gotten and how much I've loved so much of the TV that that has been on hold on you coming you coming in are you staying out there what's it gonna be okay we got a cat we got a cat in the studio he was meowing outside the door first he was in then he was out now he's back in he's he's waiting for his dinner it's gonna be uh it's coming soon so return returning f- back from 
the obsession, the plot obsession that uh, that's been so good on TV. All of these plots, you know what I'm talking about. And figuring out what what I need to do. And I don't think that writing those heavy plot-driven shows... Go on, go on. Alright. He's gone. I don't think that, that my use at the end of the day is going to be writing those kinds of shows. I think that my... That writing prose I'm better off at I'm more suited to but I think I've put up a lot of guards and tr and been in a space of trying instead of uh, and I'm, I'm skirting around using the word vulnerability because it uh, is just kind of fucking tacky at this point but letting myself um be more honest in my writing and not being afraid of the truth of what I actually think. I can see where I've been hiding for a while, thinking that hiding that and compartmentalizing that was the right thing to do because I was too scared and I wasn't sure where it belonged anymore. But it feels more correct. And I feel more excited about going onto that path as this, the two newer stories that I have, one that um, I've talked about quite a bit, the Blue Nile. And the other one I read an excerpt of a couple weeks ago those two stories feel a lot more like they're fitting into that world. That's, um, that's the gist. And it, it feels, it feels like there's clarity there. So figuring out truly what is the work of someone who writes fiction. And it definitely isn't hiding behind interesting plots <laughs> as much as it's a complete responsibility to write interesting plots but to hide behind them is not what I what, what anyone needs from me and there are so many great plots out there and there are there are groups there are 10 people often in those writing rooms that come up with those plots that competing with that and the time and resources and perspective that those rooms have it's i'm not just defeating myself before even before um, fully going there but truthfully i just think there's people that are more suited to that than i and I think that I'm more suited to taking this this voice that's being developed through this podcast and um, and 
rendering off the bullshit and combining it with my prose writing skills. That's my current goal. That's where that's what I want to keep focusing on going in uh, at the moment. The other thing to talk about and I believe I was going on about this last week but I've remained it's remained in my thoughts this this whole side of things. And it's another thing that I feel um has been kind of talked about to death. It's not um, necessarily news or interesting, but something to to sort out. The how people read fiction today um, is perhaps different than how people read fiction 30 years ago 20 years ago this the shift in technology has been so completely fucking massive and our outlooks have changed so much with the way we use our computers and the internet that to not adapt to that in some way or to acknowledge that that change and use it to our advantage um, seems just you know I, I just you have to I don't know I just of course you have to the idea of just writing, you know, a 70,000 word novel and then publishing it and sending it out into the world and having people read it and like it, that whole landscape is just not what it what it was. Now, the people that I know generally for the most part listen to fiction through audiobooks specifically. So so that's, you know, a big part of what this is. And it's very fun. It's great. It's something I, I'm, you know, as you know, really, really working towards, as I've been talking about. Then there's the whole TV issue, where a lot of our fiction, probably most people myself included we take in a lot of the our need for fiction through tv shows period and that's only getting better and there's only more of it and that's fine i don't think it's bad i'm not by any means trying to make the argument of wah wah books are dead we're all a bunch of idiots now um what is the world coming to any of that I don't that's like whatever that's just not it's not what what I'm talking about it's more truly how what are the the ways to deal with the need to my need my narcissistic 
need to write fiction and get it out into the world, how to deal with that in the in my world. And so audiobooks truly seem like the way to do it. And having this podcast and talking about it all um, is great and very fun. Truly, I'm having so much fun with this show. And it has brought me a lot of peace just uh, thinking about how it's how it's all been working and the thought of continuing it and everything is great. And then using the, the prose writing and the posts, the daily posts, essentially those are the, that's the work during the week that informs what I'm able to talk about that's the development that's me basically writing the scripts of what i end up talking about here so funnily enough it seems like this podcast seems to be the the central point of all that stuff so publishing books it doesn't really matter um writing them does because i need to talk about them here and the process and and reading reading them on the show and tell and getting better at that connecting all of that together um, that seems to be working so without further ado let us move on to the show Starting back on October 30th, we have a post titled, Considering Snot. Blowing snot from my nose, trying to get to the end of it. I have no idea what the point of snot is. I have found myself picking my nose more lately, usually when I'm reading. Years ago, I smoked cigarettes, but now I just pick my nose. It is what it is. I don't know what else I can say about it. When I was a kid, sometimes I'd wipe some snot on the bottom of a desk. I haven't done that in a long time, even before I quit cigarettes. Maybe one day, I'll do that again. Wipe some snot on the bottom of a desk somewhere. For old time's sake. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, that worked. I don't. Uh, I don't think I have any notes for myself on on that. Um, I think the the real what stays with me about that is this idea it says uh, blowing snot from my nose trying to get to the end of it I have no idea what the point of snot is I'm gonna I'm gonna write this in the internet now what is the 
point of snot. When you breathe, this is the uh, first link that comes up. <laughs> Kidshealth.org. When you breathe in through your nose, it contains lots of tiny things like dust, dirt, germs, and pollen. If these things, if these made it all the way to the lungs, the lungs could get irritated or infected, making it tough to breathe. Luckily, snot helps trap this stuff, keeping it in the nose and out of the lungs. That's awesome. Now I have another question. How is snot produced? Now I wasn't gonna, produced came from the auto thing. This is um, coming from healthnavigator.org.nz. Inflammation of your upper airways can be caused by dust, smoke, pollen, chemicals, or infection. If you have an infection, your body makes extra mucus to trap and get rid of the germs. The extra mucus that is not swallowed comes out your nose is snot. Okay. I get it. But what about... in general. Well, I guess the only reason snot's going to come up is if your system is like you know, in Wally, uh there's that little robot and he goes uh foreign contaminant and then he z zips over and like washes every fucking single thing. It's a little snot machine. Good. Considering snot. October 30th. Stalactite dream puffs. This is on October 31. The qualm of the insignificant has been long disputed in the name of stalactite dream puffs. This much cannot be emphasized or mitigated in any regard. It simply is a fact, like a paint roller and dog shit, like some idiot who was painting his house and got freaking dog shit on his paint roller. And now, the whole house smells abhorrent. In all honesty, I'm not surprised. There's no getting that smell out. They tried everything. Now the whole block smells like dog shit and the guy's on the brink of suicide. But he started seeing a shrink again. Hopefully that makes a difference. I really, I don't really know what else anyone could do for him. I would tell him to read some nonfiction books. I think that might help him, if anything. I know that he reads a lot of fiction and clearly that isn't helping him at all. It seems clear that those books are only making things worse. <laughs> That's the end. Stalactite dream puffs. So let's figure out this top part first. The qualm of the insignificant has been long disputed in the name of stalactite dream puffs. Okay. The qualm of the insignificant has long been disputed 
in the name of stalactite dream puffs. This much cannot be emphasized or mitigated in any regard. It simply is a fact. <laughs> like a paint roller and dog shit. Okay, so there's our kind of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines of of poetry, dare I say, before we get to the line like a paint roller and dog shit. And then it's like through through going through those those bullshit poetry lines, there's kind of a joke there, the paint roller and dog shit joke. But only through opening up through the musicality and randomness of those opening poetry lines can you get to to that paint ruler and dog shit which is like okay let's that's ends up taking off um and the story begins from there now would the sensible thing be to delete those seven lines and begin on some it would I would delete the, that line. It would, the beginning would be some idiot was painting his house and got freaking dog shit on his paint roller. That would be the sensible thing to do. That would be the logical thing to do. But that isn't how I got to the paint roller dog shit. And one of my big questions is going from the beginning, the moment you sit down and begin writing and I delete a ton of shit before I end up sticking on a, something that works but finding some point that's somewhat authentic or that had some enough momentum to get to that first image so building off of that um, that kind of structure that I've been talking about uh in the past few episodes the qualm of the insignificant has long been dis has been long disputed in the name of stalactite dream puff so and i think that this is being self-referential of the issue of the qualm of the insignificant the the issue about meaninglessness right has long been disputed in the name of stalactite dream puffs which clearly means nothing stalactite dream puffs is an image of um, music and abstraction. Um, I mean, I don't, it's simply a drawing. It's an abstract drawing. This much cannot be emphasized or mitigated in any regard. So, so, so the humor of this, and I think the kind of, um, the fun that, that I'm having writing it is to try to pretend like this is so serious. Those are the, that's the balance of the ironies here. So it's like using these um, seemingly sophisticated words such as qualm, insignificant, emphasized, mitigated. Those are all, you know, not the most colloquial words um and 
and dispute it as well. You know what I'm trying to say? And saying it is simply a, a fact. This is a fact, even though it's complete fiction bullshit. So those first seven lines um, are completely a almost parody of fiction writing based on maybe an insecurity or um, of what it means to to write off of your stream of consciousness imagination at the end of the day um, so it's simply a fact it is a fact like a paint roller and dog shit that's the kind of fact we're talking about like some idiot who was painting his house and got freaking dog shit on his paint roller. Now this, using the word freaking and got freaking dog, let's, I don't know if I will continue doing that. It seemed fun in the moment uh, and loosening up a bit, but um, it's frivolous. But I won't delete it because it's too late for that. Uh, and now the whole house smells abhorrent. I think it would have been funny to write. He got freaking dog shit. He got dog shit on his paint roller. And now the whole house smells like shit. In all honesty, I'm not surprised. Um, why don't I change it? Fuck it. I can edit this. I'm going to do it. Like some idiot who was painting his house and got dog shit on his paint roller. And now the whole house smells like shit. In all honesty, I'm not surprised. There's no getting that smell out. They've tried everything. Now the whole block smells like dog shit. Take out that now. The whole block. They tried everything. There's no getting the smell. They tried everything. And the whole block. St still smells like dog shit. The guy is on the brink of suicide. But he started seeing a shrink again. Hopefully that makes a difference. I don't really know what anyone else can do for him. I would tell him to read some non-fiction books. And now... It seems purposeful. Maybe my my uh, intuition, if you know, if that's something to rely on. It makes those first seven lines that I was just put under the microscope much more. Um, this is the point. I don't really know what else anyone could do for him. I would tell him to read some nonfiction books. I think that might help him, if anything. I know he reads a lot of fiction, and clearly that isn't helping him at all. It seems clear that those books are only making things worse. So, as the as I went off in the preamble, thinking about fiction writing, um, the meaning and the use of it is clearly going on quite a bit right now for um, both in the posts and and today. So. Hopefully we're getting somewhere with all that stuff. And we probably are. Microwave dog skeleton from November 4th. A pointless moment sitting near an air conditioner. I looked up a word that I thought I knew the definition of. But then I realized it doesn't really mean what I thought it did after all. I may have crawled into the microwave and cooked myself down to a dog skeleton. I have a microwave dog skeleton running down the street. 
beneath cars, through intersections, onto the subway, and in a subway restaurant, eating all the deli meats in the storage room. After this, I'm going to live in the forest. I think it will be better there. I will eat fish from the river and sleep in for as long as I want. I hope I will still be respected if I accomplish nothing and do my own thing from now on. I'm always slightly worried that I will lose the respect of literally everyone on earth. I don't know why. It's hard to imagine what it would be like not to be insecure. I don't know if, ins- if non-insecure people truly exist. Perhaps I will set my mind to becoming a secure person. Perhaps I will set my mind to becoming a microwaved dog skeleton. Good. Where did we begin? A pointless moment sitting near an air conditioner. So again, the same, what is that? That's me sitting, uh, I believe, um, sitting near my fan as I am now, sitting to write. A pointless moment sitting near an air conditioner. I looked up a word that I thought I knew the definition of, but then I realized it didn't doesn't really mean what I thought it did after all. It's just some self-deprecating kind of um, writing about fiction writing. Um, the as as the previous post did as well. So some sense of again sitting the this what we're talking about. And this post, it's explained all pretty clearly, actually. And I think it, it is, I'm happy about how, mo- how much more clear the posts are about saying what I'm trying to say than that whole half an hour preamble intro to this podcast was. I feel like this post and perhaps the last one do a, a better job of explaining that, or maybe they are, um, maybe by the two things working together, I should say, these are, to me, more meaningful expressions of what's going on. Maybe they're not more meaningful, but they're more, let's see if I can figure this out. They're more, they feel more, concise and more true when I read them but they feel but they're disguised in their absurdity and abstraction that they feel less vulnerable than how it feels to talk about these things in clear language with my own voice as I did on the show. You see the difference? So what I'm what I'm trying to what I feel the desire to do we have on one hand these the abstract poems, on the other hand the the podcast the the talking about things in more of a real world sense now the real work what i 
care about the most is merging those two worlds and getting it onto the page in the, the world of prose. That's what I'm trying to figure out. That's what I spend most time doing in... <clears throat> Excuse me. In my day-to-day life, that's what I spend the most time doing, trying to combine those things and push forward and synthesize that. And not being scared of it. And I can see a bunch of kind of fear and insecurity that has come up, um, that came up, that, that I think I can get past quite easily now that I'm able to recognize it. A pointless moment sitting near an air conditioner, I looked up a word that I thought I knew the definition of, but then I realized it doesn't really mean what I thought it did after all. I may have crawled into the microwave and cooked myself down to a dog skeleton. I like that part. I may have done that. <laughs> I have to admit that I may have crawled into the microwave and cooked myself down to a dog skeleton. It's it's this kind of um, shame. It's a shame thing. Being ashamed of yourself. Um... And I think where some of that comes from is that yes, I, I have and do spend so much time working on this fiction stuff, and I'm and I my real world responsibilities and the progress of having an ordinary career that can be relied upon is at risk. Um. So I, I wonder if that's really what that what that means. I may have crawled into the microwave and cooked myself down to a dog skeleton. I feel like that's that's what I'm really trying to say. I'm a microwave dog skeleton running down the street, beneath cars through intersections, onto the subway and in a subway restaurant. Eating all the deli meats in the storage room. After this I'm going to go live in the forest. I think it will be better there. I will eat fish from the river and sleep in for as long as I want. I hope I will still be respected if I accomplish nothing. And do my own thing from now on. I'm always slightly worried that I will lose the respect of literally everyone on earth. I don't know why. It's hard to imagine what it would be like not to be, in, not to be insecure. I don't know if non-secure people truly exist I wouldn't understand that reality to truly be secure in yourself without any moment of questioning that second guessing yourself wondering well what if I did it this way or what if I'm wrong that to me is is uh, what life what living is so much of that perhaps I will set my mind to becoming a secure person perhaps I will set my mind to becoming a microwaved dog skeleton okay 
hedonism. I'm mostly bald on the top of my head. I used to feel bad about it, but now I think it is better than having too much hair. I was hoping to be more productive today, but I ended up watching comedy online for longer than I should have. It's easy to feel like a dumbass for doing that, but then again I have to enjoy myself every once in a while. I don't think I'm a hedonist. I would be ashamed if I found out I was one. I know there are a lot of bald hedonists out there, but I am a bald neurotic. After dinner, we went to the store and bought eggs on sale. I got some soap, and my wife got some kind of skincare thing. I think it is probably soap too, or maybe it was moisturizer. I just got an email that the DVD... I just got an email. The DVD I ordered is on hold at the library. Maybe I will go and pick it up tomorrow. So more of this... You know, I don't, between two posts, I don't remember. I need to really clarify this and really let this sink in for my own sake. How interesting it is. I don't, I finish the post, I send it off, and then I live a day and I don't remember or look at the previous post. It's it's done. I don't check it out until the end of the week when I do this podcast and that's when I see it again for the first time so to look at the train of thoughts that come through in this repetition and seeing this one almost exactly left off started where the other one left off processing that same kind of that same feeling that I'm using up or, or drawing from I don't it's not using up drawing from simply there going from the dog skeleton to talking about being bald and feeling like feeling ashamed of not getting enough work done and the other one talking about maybe I should go live in the forest and not getting any work done and seeing if anyone gives a shit and now I'm like I don't know if I got enough work done Maybe I, I f- feel bad for having fun uh, or, you know, watching a comedy special on YouTube that I was very excited for. And uh, and going, going to, I think I was trying to, after dinner we went to the store and bought eggs on sale. I got some soap and my wife got some kind of skincare thing. I think it is probably soap too and or maybe it was moisturizer. I think there this is um really um not expressing the truth of what I think I was trying to get at is the the it's not it's not luck but and it's not gratuity, but I suppose at the end of the day, you know, not taking, being very happy to go with my wife to walk to the store, you know, at after we eat and just getting dumb, normal eggs and soap and 
face moisturizer and uh you know that that's the peak of human existence the book Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning I read however many years ago and I, I don't remember a lot of it but I do the scene I always remember more than anything is and and Maybe I'd read the book again and remember, realize I'm remembering the scene completely wrong and it's not even a thing. But this is what I retain from, from that book more than anything else. He's separated from his wife. I think they got married very young or it was his kind of girlfriend, fiance, to be wife. But the girl he was in love with, the woman he was in love with, and I believe they were early 20s. They were quite young, completely separated from her, living in this concentration camp. And in, you know, as, as uh, abysmal conditions as you could ever imagine, right? Like the, it's like they're in it. And, um, and he has this moment where, you know, he, he thinks about that woman, his wife, let's call her, let's pretend it's the wife. Maybe it's something else. It doesn't matter thinks about the wife and he's not even with her anymore she's at another camp they're separated and he despite everything that it seems like that thought is it doesn't leave him he doesn't lose sight of that and it's i don't think it's a saying that you know because of that i got through it or because of that you know, anything. That's just, he had that still. And I, I think when I, what I took from it was despite, I mean, think about the, you know, what that book, the title is so blatant. Um, Man's Search for Meaning. And I believe that that is what the conclusion of the book is. That is, the that is the answer to the, the question on the cover in all caps letters. That is the, the, the meaning that there is at the end of the day. And I believe this is how I translated it on November 2nd. <laughs> After dinner, we went to the store and bought eggs on sale. I got some soap and my wife got some kind of skincare thing. I think it is probably soap too, or maybe it was moisturizer. I, I tell you, I, that's how I said it in our own mundane, you know, living in 2022 Canada, uh, not a care in the world type of way living not in the in a concentration camp getting to be together going to the store and that's why I say and I, and it's true I'm not even I'm not trying to 
express in gratuity. I'm not trying to say, talk about luck. I'm not trying to talk about privilege, anything of the sort. I'm saying that this is the point. This is what it is. That is that is the one of the that is probably the only sound logic that I know of. Is that this is the point? Is getting to be together, and it, you don't need happiness or excitement or any overwhelming emotions. It's and and I I. That is as good as your as life will will be. The post ends. I just got an email. The DVD I ordered is on hold at the library. Maybe I'll go and pick it up tomorrow. You idiot. Ay ay. This this post is the um is everything wrong with I think everything right but also <laughs> yeah there's a lot here let me read it one more time with all that context because I'm seeing it a little differently I'm mostly bald on the top of my head I used to feel bad about it, but now I think it is better than having too much hair. Great. I was hoping to be more productive today, but I ended up watching comedy online for longer than I should have. It's easy to feel like a dumbass for doing that, but then again, I have to enjoy myself every once in a while. I don't think I'm a hedonist. I would be ashamed if I found out I was one. I know there are a lot of bald hedonists out there, but I am a bald neurotic. So, talking about Okay, I didn't get enough work done today. Actually goes even further. It's like, I'm a bald asshole and I basically fucked off at work today to watch a comedy special and didn't provide, perhaps didn't do the, the best, the as good of a job as I could have to provide um you know, for our family because I was watching fucking comedy videos and not working. And at the best of times, I'm still writing fiction, which, uh, you know, there, there are much smarter career choices out there. I'm not sure if I've uh, talked about the uh, that feeling before. Of course I have. Um, and then it's like, whatever, we went and we still were able to buy the stuff I didn't make that connection the first time. It's like, even though I fucked off and watched the comedy special, it's like, you'd think that, and I know this is obviously not how the world works, but the fruits of my labor think like, oh, I worked so hard today. I made this money and we went and got eggs and soap. <laughs> we were so lucky. We got all this good stuff, but no, we can afford it anyway, because that's the world we live in. Um, the, the 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 how hard you work unfortunately does not always it doesn't it's not fair it doesn't actually always equal how much money you make 
by and large, it's that's just not the world we live in. So, still, you know, buying our our stuff, and then, and then talking about this DVD. <laughs> like oh i already spent too much time watching this comedy special on youtube and being a dumbass and then oh i can still go over and you know we can go buy our ship from the store and i can have everything in the world and did i learn my lesson no i'm getting another dvd from the library and and it's the library free dvd and who fucking even watches dvds anymore me because uh i like getting dvds from the library maybe i'll go pick it up tomorrow wonderful post good 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 all right medium level iguana a trash can lid on the ground next to a trash can (laughs) a trash can lid on the ground next to a trash can an abbreviated medium level iguana going towards the trash that is spilled out from the trash can. Sometimes things stop being what they are and are only trash, like banana peels, old newspapers, and DVDs that are all scratched up. I remember seeing that iguana standing on the DVD, the neon beams reflecting all around him. I know that it wasn't much, Just an image of an iguana, but it was really something. A giant asshole flew into the alleyway then and hovered above us. From the right angle, it looked like a flying saucer. It then was about to expel a massive excremental turd, but the iguana aimed the DVD reflection beam upward and destroyed it, rendering that thing off the planet and constipating it forever. That iguana, who you thought was just some random guy, actually made a difference that day. I hope that will make people see the proverbial heroism of the medium-level iguana. I don't know if it will. In fact, I'm almost sure it won't, but I suppose you never know what will happen. Maybe it's worth a shot. Okay, let's figure this out. Considering the last post, where we're talking about looking at yourself as kind of a schlubby, bald idiot, but still being grateful for um, what you have and not changing at the end of the story. So it's, it's it's an episode of a sitcom, right? Look at this kind of like, look at this asshole, but isn't he lucky? Or it's 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 okay he has his wife and he, you get into some trouble, but you can't really learn anything because it's a sitcom, not a movie. And we feel, you know, relating to, to that kind of story um, and not these kind of big, big world changing stakes that we would have in a in your traditional feature film where the person must change 
it's a, it's a sitcom level um, story. Then we have this story who's it's celebrating this iguana who he thought was just some random guy and talking about garbage and and that medium level iguana the name of the post this kind of everyman hero this this everyman ends up being the hero and saving everyone so think twice about that you think think about a lot of the stories and the shapes and types of stories that that we work on that we that we like and these are two generally the templates in um very commonly these are the you know we see ourselves in once upon a time there was this everyman character and they were total bald neurotic schlub loser um you know and everything ended up okay despite their shortcomings or that same that same everyman character ended up accomplishing something larger than life and saved the world so um, on one day we talked we did the sitcom and on the next day this medium level iguana story is more of this saving the world type fantasy and those two types of stories are the ones that we'll always love watching and we'll always kind of need and um get people you know these are just what stories are made of um so so commonly and i can see them here and i can see my i it almost feels like i'm um self-medicating with these fiction uh shapes and these this structure with these two stories and i don't think there's anything wrong with that um so a trash can lit on the ground next to a trash can so that's just me fucking with myself and you know i think simply by the how redundant and the sentence is it's just a little it's a game and obviously um i had to laugh after i read it because i still think it's funny an abbreviated medium level iguana going towards the trash that is spilled out from the trash can so saying trash can again super annoying but hilarious and the medium level iguana this is just some dumb everyman hero sometimes things stop being what they are and are only trash and so i think when you write about the writing about these images of of trash and feeling like trash you know i see the connection there when do things stop being things and become trash when when they go into the the metal bin essentially and they start to rot like banana like banana peels old newspapers and dvds that are all scratched up so still this image of the dvd you know and and why do i still get dvds well because it's easy to get and i don't have to pay for them and i don't have to pirate them and there's something fun about getting them and having to watch them but they're 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 trash and i think probably some of the appeal of me and this 
you know, fun of renting DVDs is that that's they're tr they're trash at this point, and but I'm finding use for them, and that feels good somehow. And I think that in a way, it is my um, it makes me feel better about myself when I think that I am trash. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I remember seeing the iguana standing on the DVD, the neon beams reflecting all around him. I know that it wasn't much, just an image of an iguana, but it was really something. So again, this glamorization of the mundane. A giant asshole flew into the alleyway then and hovered above us. From the right angle, it looked like a flying saucer. So here's our big, big threat. The, the medium level iguana's chance to be the, the great hero. It was then about to expel a massive excremental turd, from, but the iguana aimed the DVD reflection beam upward and destroyed it, rendering that thing off the planet and constipating it forever. That iguana, who you thought was just some random guy, actually made a difference that day. I hope that people will see the proverbial heroism of the medium level iguana. I don't know if it will. In f I hope that will make people see I see I read it wrong I hope that will make people see the proverbial heroism of the medium level iguana I don't know if it will in fact I'm almost sure it won't but I suppose you never know what will happen maybe it's worth a shot good and last post of the week online chess I moved my pawn to g6 and killed his pawn, and then he took the, that pawn with his pawn. I moved my queen to, up to f7, he moved his queen to d7. I moved my rook to h3, putting him in check, and that was it, I won. I'll tell you something, he's a damn good player. At the end of the day, I think he's a better player than me, but I kicked his ass, and it was a good checkmate. If anyone wants to challenge me on the chess.com app, my username is turtlecube3029. I play every day against my buddies. So, as user Chesterfield Alberta always says, see you on the squares. Um, wonderful thing happened after that post came out. I got a new use, a new friend request and game challenge from user Bjorn underscore Slippy. And we've been, we've been playing a match since then. And uh, I even think I have a, a move waiting from him right now from Bjorn underscore Slippy on chess.com. So wonderful. Um, and now there's one, two, three, four, five, six. I've, I'm in six chess games right now, um, and it's a good life on chess.com. And it was a, it's fun to write about <laughs> playing online chess on a post, but is there a need to go deeper into it? Absolutely not. I think that was just 
a fun way to end the week there at post 600 that was post 685 so an interesting week i i would say and uh before i started the show today i was thinking that I, I didn't know if I wrote anything very meaningful this week. It all felt kind of random and cartoonish. I, I never really remember exactly what it was, but as a whole, I was like, ah, there's probably not much there. I wonder if it'll be a boring show. But, um, but there was actually a lot there, and, and I'm happy with how this turned out. And um, just, I think what... I'll always be learning is that overthink there's a you you have to act you have to go out and do do what you need to do and don't sit around thinking about it sometimes um, it can be very good to study prepare um, write notes but you also need to simply hit the record button and and act and do it and do the thing and uh and the results are fun and surprising and i think that that's a lot of the fun and use that i'm having uh, from doing this show so now without further ado i'm going to read the sunset oil plus the new edit and then i'm going to take this recording and then turn that into its i'll have it in this the podcast i want to edit it out but then i'll also have that as the audiobook recording for the Sunset Oil Plus for the short story itself. So this is um, this is where that's going to go. The Sunset Oil Plus. An endless string of power lines followed along the highway. The grass was dead and yellow and continued on well past to nowhere. There were no clouds or wind and the horizon was still. The sun beat down until eventually it became nighttime. The stars were bright, but the moon was dull behind the clouds. A a faint glow appeared. Fuck. (laughs) A faint glow flickered in the appeared and flickered in the distance. It seemed to pin at random until it stopped and a white ray of light appeared behind beneath it. It disappeared and the stillness returned. The cloud slowly passed by the moon, and then the glow returned and burst into a blurred vortex. It ripped into the foreground and clipped off one of the power lines. Sparks spewed outward and sprinkled onto the asphalt until eventually the daylight returned and it became still again. From a more broad vantage point, there was the Sunset Oil Plus, a a highway-side gas station that overlooked the horizon. 
the station's display sign showed the price of regular, the price of diesel, and a cartoon drawing of a smiling son that wore sunglasses. Bob Douglas, the station attendant, was in the restroom, taping an out-of-order sign across the urinal. Afterward, he took a large jug of pink soap and filled the dispenser. He held it steady, but it glugged unexpectedly and overflowed the dispenser. Goddamn shit. He used a paper towel to wipe the excess soap. Now, I'm going to hold there. There's... I gotta make some notes. There's two things I wanna edit. And I was gonna just keep going and fucking power through it, but that's what would be the point? So, let me fix that up. An endless string of power lines fall along the highway. The grass was dead and yellow and continued on well past the nowhere. There were no clouds or wind, and the horizon was still. The sun beat down until eventually it became nighttime. The stars were bright, but the moon was dull behind the clouds. A faint glow appeared and flickered in the distance. It seemed to pin at random until it stopped and a white ray of light appeared beneath it. It disappeared and the stillness returned. The clouds slowly passed by the moon. And then the glow returned and burst into a blurred vortex. It ripped into the foreground and clipped off one of the power lines. Sparks spewed outward and sprinkled onto the asphalt until eventually the daylight returned and it became still again. From a more broad vantage point, there was the Sunset Oil Plus, a highway-side gas station that overlooked the horizon. The station's display sign showed the price of regular, the price of diesel, and a cartoon drawing of a smiling sun that wore sunglasses. Bob Douglas, the station attendant, was in the restroom taping an out-of-order sign across the, the urinal. Afterward, he took a large jug of pink soap and filled the dispenser. He held it steady, but it glugged unexpectedly and overflowed the dispenser. So, that paragraph, I need to tweak. Bob Douglas, the station attendant, was in the restroom, duct-taping an out-of-order sign across the urinal. Afterward, he took a large jug of pink soap and held it steady and held it steady. It, it glugged unexpectedly and overflowed the dispenser. Goddamn shit. He used a paper towel to wipe the excess soap. He was trying to be diligent and kept scrubbing it, but he was going too hard and ended up breaking it off the wall. The jagged plastic sliced his hand and cut open his palm. He cursed again and slammed his fist against the adjacent stall. The soap stung the wound. He ripped off more paper towel and held it over his hand, trying to separate the soap from the blood. Not quite. Bob Douglas, the station attendant, was in the restroom duct taping an out-of-order sign across the urinal. Afterward, so I'm going to take off afterward, he took... A large jug of pink soap. He held it steady and filled the soap dispenser. It glugged, unexp it glugged unexpectedly. 
period. Goddamn shit. He used the paper towel to wipe the soap that had spilled. He was trying to be diligent and kept scrubbing it. But he was going too hard and ended up breaking it off the wall. He used a paper towel to wipe the soap that had spilled. But scrubbed too hard and ended up breaking it off the wall. The jagged plastic sliced his hand and cut open his palm. He cursed again and slammed his fist against the adjacent stall. The, sto the soap stung the wound. He ripped off more paper towel and held it over his hand, trying to separate the soap from the blood. Once the bleeding was under control, he went back to the shed and took his clipboard from the and took his clipboard. He went to each filling pump and copied down their levels. He put the clipboard back and took the rake and ran it through the dirt. He stopped when he heard a truck horn sound from the when he heard truck horn from the road. It was a red and silver tanker truck that he knew well. I'm going to say he stopped when he heard a horn from the road. It was a red and silver tanker truck that he knew well. It pulled into the station and scattered all of the rake lines into oblivion. The truck driver stepped out. His name was Teddy. He was older than Bob Douglas and had a longer beard and a bigger stomach. Apologize for messing up them lines. That'll go ahead and give me something to work out afterward. <clears throat> Bob Douglas dragged the transfer hose from behind the shed. He used a drill to secure the transfer hose into its place on the truck. Bob Douglas dragged the transfer hose from behind the shed and used a drill to secure it to the truck. Teddy flipped a switch and and Bob Douglas went back to start to, to start to fuel to start to fuel the transfer. It began and was loud enough that the two of them had to yell in order to hear each other. All good? Yeah. Bob Douglas wiped the sweat off his forehead and then took a small plastic bag of candy from his pocket. He popped a few candy frogs into his mouth and offered some to Teddy. They both ate a couple and then Teddy took a stack of photographs from his shirt pocket and removed the paperclip that held them together. Take a look at these. Bob Douglas looked through them. Each photograph showed an exterior of a vacation home. One had a pond with lily pads. Another had a group of umbrella chairs. That one caught my eye, but Wendy assured me that this here is the one. Teddy pointed to the next photo in the stack. It was an Oceanside property. Bob Douglas noticed a strange white smear in the corner of the photo. What's that? Bird flown in front the camera lens, said Teddy. Bob Douglas looked closer at the smear and tried to make out the bird. Sometimes, when the camera isn't sealed upright, the lens, the light gets in there and it ends up looking like that. Folks go around thinking they've seen ghosts and flying saucers and the like. 
It's a bird. Bob Douglas nodded. I'm going to take that out. It's going to say... He'll just say, it's a bird. I'd say it's a bird. That's, it seems too aggressive. I'd say it's a bird. Sometimes when the camera isn't sealed up right, the lens, the light gets in there and it ends up look looking like that. Folks go around thinking they've seen ghosts and flying saucers and the like. I'd call it a bird. I'd call it a... I'd call it a bird. Realtor told me that some... Some bird went and crapped on him. I'm going to take out that I called. I don't even understand why it's there. So. What's that? Bird flown in front of the camera lens, said Teddy. Bob Douglas looked closer at the smear and tried to make out the bird. Sometimes when the camera isn't sealed up right, the light gets in there and it ends up looking like that. Folks go around thinking they've seen ghosts and flying saucers and the like. Realtor told me that some bird went and crapped on him. Uh-huh. You know any ghosts or any flying saucers got a reason to go taking a crap on my realtor? Might have been a bird then. Told me that's good luck. Getting crapped on by a bird? Say anything to sell you on it. Bob Douglas flipped through the rest of the photographs. The homes were similar. What stood out was a beat-up trading guard of a pinup girl. That's my Wendy. Never a moment goes by I'm not thinking of her. She likes the bird crap one? That's right. Teddy took back the photos and cycled through them himself. Real fortunate in having saved enough cash to think on getting a place like that. But the but truth is, it ain't worth much if she didn't come along. Thought you meant she was coming. We talked about it at length, but I got some feeling, thinking it'd be too good to be true if she did. Throws me off. Keep thinking she'll get cold feet. Huh. I'll tell you something, if I'm being honest with her, I'm going to have to ask her hand in getting married, because that's what I'm hoping on. Mike ought to ask her then. Mike ought to is right. I'd say she'd be happy to hear it. Well, Bob Douglas, truth is I'm not her one and only customer. I see. Teddy scruffed around the dirt. Bob Douglas offered him another candy frog. I do find myself wondering what it might have been like had I gone for a line of work that didn't have me going along one road to another every day. But this kind of work's what I know, and her kind of work, that's what she knows. Bob Douglas nodded. It might be non-traditional what we got in that way, and I'm not sure what my mom would have said about it all. But either way, she'd know that I do love Wendy, and if she knew that, she wouldn't question nothing. Bob Douglas ate a sour worm and considered the woman his life had been for, Thea. He remembered the night he woke up to her climbing through the window towards a white ray of light. What I mean is that love is love, plain and ordinary, Teddy said. Bob Douglas remembered Thea and how she dropped from the window and fell down into the yard. Find myself thinking about that Wendy just about every minute of every day. Bob Douglas nodded. Realize after a while, the people you love, they become a part of you. Some days it gets real bad, and you get a certain feeling that you might go on and explode. Teddy pointed his finger to Bob Douglas's chest. I'm not 
it's not the heart like people say in fact it's in actuality it's not the heart like people say in actuality it's right there right there in the solar plexus grows to the infinite that's what it is teddy pushed his finger into bob douglas's chest enough to make him understand i know it well that makes the both of us good the fuel continued to move from the tank to the station reserve bob douglas went back to the shed and got more candy frogs and gummy worms he handed some t to teddy they stood and ate they stood and ate it until teddy nudged bob douglas you see that see what you see it teddy went on pointing until bob bob douglas saw the power line a small fire had caught on its cross never seen that going on before bob douglas handed teddy the rest of the candy and went over to the phone it's bob douglas yeah uh-huh doing it now tell you what i don't mean to cut you off but a bit of an issue here uh-huh power line crossed the road caught a spark looks like can you hear me uh-huh power line crossed the road caught a spark on fire that's right you got a fellow they can send over uh-huh you got it then appreciate that might not hear the ring with the pump going we're all right you can say that again all right bob douglas hung up the phone he went back to teddy they stood and watched as the flame grew bob douglas thought of thea lying in her psych ward cot her legs were both cast in plaster she stared out towards the empty sky you ever watch them outer space shows? All my life, said Teddy. Whatever's coming in from above the clouds there, if you saw it on TV or read about it in the paper, don't make a difference either way. What I find myself thinking is like what you said before. None of it means much unless she's there with you, says Bob Douglas. Teddy nodded and appreciated what he'd said. Blinking... Yellow lights flashed off of a small service truck that drove towards the flaming power line. It parked some ways away. The technician got out and looked up the hill towards Teddy and Bob Douglas. The technician waved and they returned the wave. Bob Douglas thought of the psych ward and the recreation table where he sat with Thea. There were puzzles that came from separate boxes. The pieces were bent and forced together. Bob Douglas sat with Thea as she read from her, from her Bible. Behind them, the other patients learned some roundabout dance lesson. A short man with a smile frozen on his face waddled over to Thea and tapped her on the shoulder. He asked her to join the dance lesson and he pointed to the others. She ignored him, but he asked again. She responded more harshly and he buzzed off. And he walked away. Bob Douglas arrived again, this time with a plastic bag. He put it onto the recreation table and tore it open. There was a stack of takeout containers. When he opened them, the heat escaped and blurred the air. Thea ate a steaming piece of broccoli. 
She waved her hand in front of her mouth to cool it down, but but it but it still burned her tongue. She warned Bob Douglas of its heat, but he didn't listen and also burned his tongue. She smacked him for that. Bob Douglas and Teddy stood in the dirt and watched the technician. He carried his tools from the back of the service truck and went towards the fire. Bob Douglas remembered how the nurses pushed Thea down the hallway in a wheelchair. He followed her along until she went into a room that the nurses stopped him from entering. Bob Douglas and Teddy watched the technician climb up the power line. Teddy looked at Bob Douglas and Bob Douglas looked at Teddy. The technician was only a few feet beneath the fire. He readied his wire cutters and, and held them open. When he went ahead and clipped the line, Bob Douglas remembered the window in, in the door where Thea was attached to the brain zapping machine. He could not bring himself to watch her through the window. Instead, he watched the electricity flash in the space between the ground and the door. The power line sparked and the technician was blasted from the pole. He fell downward and hit the ground. He lay there motionless as the flames spread off the, the severed line, the severed power line. Bob Douglas and Teddy cursed at once. They ran down the hill towards him. Towards the technician. Bob Douglas and Thea sat at the recreation table. The short man, in his usual way, came to the table and asked Thea to join in on the dance lesson. This time she seemed okay with it, and Bob Douglas guided her over to where the others were. He stood on the sidelines and watched her and saw that she was amused by the movement of those who surrounded her. Bob Douglas and Thea dragged the technician from the fire and pulled him towards the hill. On the way, Bob Douglas's coveralls caught on fire. He screamed and dropped the technician. The fire spread from his sleeve to his backside and Teddy helped him stamp it out. They picked the technician back off the ground, dragged him the rest of the way up the hill, and they lay him down on the dirt. You good? Bob Douglas asked Teddy. I am. You? Also good. They looked at the technician. He was out cold. You think we should cut the transfer? Should be almost done. All right. When Bob Douglas went to the phone, called for an ambulance, he remembered a time sitting with Thea before her legs were broken and before her brain got zapped. They were at the same restaurant they got the takeout containers from. They were counting out their money and paying their tab when for no good reason, Bob Douglas went and spun a quarter between them. It spun fast enough that it took on a new shape. The blurred orb moved in its random way, and for a moment their eyes met and he became different. He felt something bigger than he knew. It lashed onto him, somewhere above his gut and past the solar plexus. Thea slammed the quarter onto the table, and the technician woke up. You alright, buddy? Teddy asked him. I am, the technician said. He sat up, and the three of them watched as the power line burned to the ground. Sunset Oil Plus. That works. Now, I'm going to read the top of it very quickly one last time. 
An endless string of power lines followed along the highway. The grass was dead and yellow and continued on well past to nowhere. There were no clouds or wind and the horizon was still. The sun beat down until eventually it became nighttime. The stars were bright but the moon was dull behind the clouds. A faint glow appeared and flickered in the distance. It seemed to pin at random until it stopped and a white ray of light appeared beneath it. It disappeared and the stillness returned. The clouds slowly passed by the moon. And then the glow returned and burst into a blurred vortex. It ripped into the foreground and clipped off one of the power lines. Sparks spewed outward and sprinkled onto the asphalt until eventually the daylight returned and it became still again. Okay. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you for for listening as usual. Go on to YouTube. Check out the new image provided by Use Gallery. Go to their website at uuus.info. Take a look at what's going on over there as well. Otherwise, this week, I'm going to be still editing and recording Lotus Pond Earth, which I read an excerpt from last week, and I think it's coming together, and hopefully I'll have that up sooner than later, but it's really no hurry, and otherwise, we'll be back next week for episode 12, so thank you again for being here, and we'll see you then.